on the fact finder scale, I was a nine, which means I will analyze the crap out of everything. Hey everyone, I'm Emily Reagan, and you've discovered Unicorns Unite. This is a podcast for freelancers, service providers, virtual assistants, and curious listeners who would like to experience the freedom and flexibility of working virtually. We're the magic makers, movers and shakers, and the real people doing the work behind the scenes of online businesses. Welcome to Unicorns Unite. Hey, 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 it's Emily Reagan here. I'm so glad to have you on today's episode. This one is a good one. This one is for my friends out there who are the VAs who are already doing some project management work, who are interested in being an online business manager, or even as high as a DOO, Director of Operations. My friend Ange Quinn is here. She is amazing. She shares such good knowledge about the digital world and online space. First of all, I love her story and how she pivoted to this area. I also love getting the insight. She shares information about the Colby test, who would make a good DOO, where you go for this type of training, and what is the difference between an OBM, project manager, and DOO. We are getting down into the nitty gritty today. You are going to love it. And hands up if you are one of those people who have a key talent in organizing, analyzing, and following through. This podcast is for you. You could make so much of your talent. I'm telling you, visionaries are outnumbered by what we call the integrators, the organized analytical people like you. They outnumber you four to one. So I encourage you to listen to this podcast and think about end goals in your business, how you can help business owners as they scale and grow and get overwhelmed. Let's get into it. Hey, everyone. I'm here with Ange Quinn today. Sorry, we're a couple minutes late. It's all my fault, but so excited to have her. She's trapped at her mother's <laughs> house in a blizzard, still going live with us to tell us all about her OBM and director of operations world. So let's get into it. Tell everyone hello and where you're from and fill them in on your backstory. Okay. Thank you so much for having me, Emily. This is so exciting and kind of scary because I am the person in the back. I never do publicity, social media, anything. If you can find me on social media, like good for you. You searched. (laughs) I'm not out there. Um, Yeah. I live in Calgary, Canada. I have a place in the mountains too. I'm currently trapped in grandma and grandpa's house because I came to Lethbridge, which is about two hours south of Calgary, to help renovate my grandma's house for the weekend. And there was a huge blizzard and the cops even closed the highway. So last night I was just like, guess I'm staying here with my renovation clothes (laughs) and my son is in the living room playing Lego with grandma and grandpa. So it's 2020, right? Like. I love what you like you're helping out and doing that. That sounds kind of fun, but I can really resonate to you saying like you're the girl behind the scenes and you're not used to putting yourself out there. And like that's totally me. That's totally everyone here in the group. And yeah. y'all like love you for sharing what you're about to share and telling us about your business and all of that. But um I know it's like like I have a lot of first time podcasters too, like who yeah. haven't 
interviewed and like everybody does great like it's so conversational and easy and you and I have been talking for months now and we I know you have a lot to share so I'm really excited can you tell everybody like what your education was and Mm -hmm. how you started working on before you got online like what what was life like for you my background. So I am a proud nerd. I have an engineering degree of all things. I have a structural engineering degree. At once upon a time, I wanted to be an architect. And I thought if I do a structural engineering degree, and then I do architecture, then anything I design will stand up like that was 20 years ago. That's what I wanted to be. So I live in Calgary, Canada. It's a very oil and gas centered world. I actually started, my first job was overseas in England and that was really cool. Like in London, England, I got to help design some things. And then I came back to Canada and our main industry is oil and gas. It's something I didn't want to go into at first for sure. And you just get sucked in. Like it's, it's the heart of the city. So I was in corporate for 15 years, but after I got my professional engineering designation, I kind of got bored of the monotony of designing beams and columns. (laughs) Yeah, I just wanted more. So first I moved into project management, which project management is project management. Like whatever, like you have a scope, you have a budget, you have a timeline, like that's a project and you're managing it. So like that will translate everything now, the, now when I look back, all of my steps in corporate is like all culminated into what I'm doing now. So it's actually really cool because at the time I was like, what am I doing? What do I want to be when I grow up? <laughs> like, What's going on with my life? So I did project management for a couple of years. And then I had a really great mentor that pulled me into the business side. And ironically, I was always thinking like, oh, I I wonder what like business development is like. I wonder what the business aspect of business is like. And so I got pulled over um, into a certain department of a big company that I was with. And I became this business analyst. And so I did a lot of training. It's like Lean Six Sigma training. It's certain ways to find issues or gaps or problems, whatever. And so, and coming up with solutions. So again, this is like foreshadowing to what I'm doing now, but I really liked that role because I would look at different parts of a major company that was experiencing challenges or, you know, it was an old company. So we had to like clean up old processes or, um, you know, there was a lot of like, Oh, we hired Jim Bob's friend from down the street. And it's like, well, that doesn't cross all the check marks in today's so it was like streamlining and making sure things are done properly and I really liked that position and then a position came up in business development and that was I was always like oh this is this is what I was interested in I want to talk to clients I want to see how projects really started and like we're talking multi-million dollar projects and so I had talked to a mentor and they just said you know, the most well-rounded career person with my background is like, if you're an engineer, you have project management experience, and then you have BD experience because then like you've touched all of it. Right. And he just said, apply because these positions don't come up often. So I applied, I was super apprehensive about it um, because it was in the oil sector where before I was focusing on gas of this company and 
you know, oil's a hot topic. Um, it's very volatile. So I didn't want to go into it, but I got the job. <laughs> so I was like, well, we'll see. And it was great. Like I learned, I learned so much. Like they sent me to Boston to do a little financial course on like proper corporate finance and figuring out ROI and like that kind of stuff. Like just like deep detailed math. I'm a nerd. I like finance. I don't like accounting. Okay. There's, yeah, there is a huge difference. <laughs> there is a huge difference. My mom, this is her accounting office. She, she'll talk to you about tax. I don't want to talk about tax. <laughs> um, and then like I did commercial negotiations. I did contract reviews. Like I did everything that had nothing to do with engineering. So I felt like I had really seen so much of the corporate world. It was great. It was great until oil crash. This is five years ago. This is where my, my story started five years ago when oil crashed. I was actually on a project that got canceled. And so I got laid off. I got packaged out. It was one of those like wrong project, wrong time. And that's, that was my apprehension of going into it. But I learned so much. Like I can't say I regret doing it because I learned so much in those years that I was in that position. But then shortly after that, my husband and I got pregnant. And that's when I was like, you know what, like being a mom in that industry, in that, like you're working so much. Like I just thought, now, what am I going to do when I grow up? <laughs> now, how do I these skills? And so I think I stumbled upon Amy Porterfield at that time. And, you know, like, that's where I met you. Like Amy Porterfield teaches that you take your niche and you teach it to other people. And I was like, I'm an expert at absolutely nothing. I can talk about a lot of things, but I'm an expert at nothing. And so long story short, I did end up getting another job downtown and that was like the nail in the coffin. That was especially being a mom and being back in that world. I was like, no, this isn't for me. And the whole time I was back in that job, I binged online business podcasts. Like every Thursday I listen to Amy's, like every Wednesday I listen to whoever else it was. And so last year, and so actually what I, what I learned in that time is I did have something to offer. I watched a lot of people build online businesses and I found that they struggled at either one of two places. One was like the starting and getting going and, you know, worrying about the perfectionism of like getting their social media ready and getting their email, blah, 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 ready. And so I felt like people were super stagnant there or there was the people who sometimes I say, and you might understand this is. Some people build an online business and it's almost like they accidentally make money or they accidentally make a lot of money. And then they go, oh crap, now what do I do? How do I build a team? How do I like, how do I figure out my finances? How do I build up my system? And they're now they're overwhelmed because they're doing everything themselves. Mm-hmm. And so then there's like this other stagnation part. And so I thought like I joined DCA last year and I was like, I'm going to build a course on teaching people about the business, about the foundations of your business and what you need to have in place in order to grow properly, in order to scale. And so I had that ball going and I had a beta round for one of my little mini courses that I built out in Kajabi and then COVID hit. And I actually had a mom, like my bleeding heart is now for the working mothers, especially on days like today that, you know, if your kid is, is in school in this city, 
school's canceled. <laughs> so you're now working from home anyway. And so I just have this bleeding heart for mothers who, you know, I don't know what it's like where you are, but here it's like, they're talking about another lockdown. And I just, I just am like, for all the moms out there, it's the moms that take up the slack. Yeah. And so I, and I know so many moms in corporate who are also like, how do I get out? Help me build something. And so I sent out this email and I actually got one email from a friend of mine and she was, this is like the start of COVID. And she was like, do you understand what's going on in the world? Like I am now working at home, my kids at home, daycare is closed and you want me to do what? And so I thought, yeah, like my ICA, like I was so sick of people say online saying, oh, people have so much time now. They're working from home. I'm like, unless you're a mom. Oh my God. Thank you for saying that because I just feel like crushed over here with everything going on. And I don't think like, I don't even think my kids' teachers understand, you know, they like no- they, I feel like they think that's the only class my kid is taking. That's my only kid and my only responsibility. I'm like, okay. And you don't have anything else on top of that, right? Like, and somehow groceries just appear. And when am I supposed to do that? So like, oh my gosh, I could. Everything, everything. We could have a whole topic on that. (laughs) Yeah. So actually at the start of COVID, I realized rather quickly that the people that I really want to serve and feel that I can make a big impact in their business are the people who will just hire me to do it. They are overwhelmed. They don't need another course to teach them how to build, to go back and build the foundations of their business. They want to be like, here, do it for me. Yeah. <laughs> so You're in that spot where I can still kind of be, but I see this too. Uh, business owners, they need help with the work. And I'm so kind of sick. And I've built my business up from this point of view, because they have so many business coaches telling them um, maybe the the why, but not the how, first of all. And then they're just yeah. telling them to hire it out. And people will spend two, $3,000 on a course that's like, go hire it out. And yeah. they'll work on mindset. So there's a lot of work for people like you and me right now. And we're in like, you know, sister service work right now. I do more creative stuff and you're doing like the business management. But what I I still think there's a course in you. And I think like, <laughs> I, have, like I think there's multiple, honestly. <laughs> yeah, okay. The timing isn't quite right, but like just right now I want to encourage you to continue because I have I have VAs who would be a perfect fit for learning from you. And maybe that's like a group coaching. Maybe it's really like, yeah. you know, that's kind of goals. Yeah. So we should talk about that. Yeah. <laughs> sure. if it, if it can help some of my um you know, students like get to that next level. Cause some of them are on that track. Like they have learned online business in my, and online marketing in my course. And now they're picking out their, their niche and their specialty. And quite a few of them are like, I have no desire to do social media. I have no desire to do the tech, you know, but I do like bossing my clients around and keeping them on yeah. schedule <laughs> and like organizing. So yeah, so but I'm I'm glad you listened because I I did a, I kind of pushed my launch back and things went a little bit weird, but it was hard because I know women were looking for work. You know, you still got to pay to play and to learn, and it was kind of like tough on me too. I have a bleeding heart for the military spouse who is moving yes. time and ha- can't take her job all the time. Yeah, yeah, her she's second fiddle, but you know it's really hard to start something new right now, and I totally. Totally, I'm there. I'm already there. And to have for yourself, like especially once you're a mom, like, you know, I had a million things on my own before. And I'm I'd like, you know, it'll come back with time, but 
it's like, I, I felt like I have like this one past life that I don't want to say cease. Like, I don't want to say it in a negative connotation, but like, I'm not running marathons right now. I'm not traveling the world right now. Like COVID aside, <laughs> but things change. And so it's like, I just want something that's mine that like I can run, I can put my passion to it becomes a hobby. Like my husband's like, you're always working. I'm like, yeah, but I like now I love what I'm doing and yeah. my clients appreciate me. Like I've had so many clients be like, Oh my God, I couldn't do this without you. And how many times I say to my husband, like, did I get that in corporate? Did I ever see that appreciation? Was I ever told that by a manager? No. <laughs> it's so different when it's our own business. And you and I probably struggle on the opposite side of like working too much or, you know, wanting yeah. to do that. But when you like what you do, it, it kind of blurs the line between that hobby. Cause you, you know, you're getting tangible results. You're feeling good. It's outside your kids and virtual school. And yeah. So yeah. if anything, like I need to like dial that back, <laughs> like bring back some hobbies, but don't ask me like with what time right now, but that's so great. My that you like updating my webpage for the fifth time. <laughs> yeah. So what does your, so when you switched over to more of the online business area, like how, how did you do that? Like, how did you know what to do? You were listening to the podcast. You were consuming the free stuff. Did you just like jump in or like, how did you get the first client? Like, tell me. <laughs> yeah. So when I realized that the, you know, six months of building out courses and stuff was, going to be put on hold and like it'll come back up. I think, yeah, the group coaching will be more for me than like a one and done because I also, to digress, like how you were saying, like you, you buy a course and it kind of tells, just tells you to hire someone. Like it doesn't really fulfill your needs. Like I find that some courses, some courses are amazing. Like DCA is amazing. It has all the detail. Like she like over delivers in all of her stuff. Right. But I've seen some courses out there that they really, sell you on the, on the possibility. And then it's just a cookie cutter. Like this will work for you, but not necessarily. Right. Like, so I like the group coaching more that aspect more because then you can really get feedback, like, and get it more tailored to you or get like, yeah, everybody's business is different. Like there are key foundational pieces to every business, but that'll look different if you're a course creator or you're a service provider or whatever. Right. So yeah. Yeah. So where I, I honestly just got super scrappy because it was one of those, oh crap, my (laughs) plans just went out the window and pivoted with all of this going on that, you know, at first I thought, okay, in these years of listening to online everything, um, and, and like I started kind of with like a side hobby. So I had built a website a couple times. Like I did my website on my own, but that being said, I felt like it took a year to really get a grasp on building a WordPress site, right? Like it was not just you get in and it makes sense. Like everything that I learned online and all the tech and everything, I do get it now, but that's like a lot of practice. So at first I thought, oh, I can offer my services or like in Amy's group, I thought a lot of people are getting hung up on Kajabi and I had already built a course in Kajabi. And so I I could get in there and help people if they were now struggling, if their kids were at home and now they're running out of time. I thought, oh, I could help them do that. But I don't know. I just felt like 
I could offer more, like I have more mm-hmm. knowledge. I can help businesses at a different angle. So I stumbled upon the OBM certification and, you know, had a chat with the girl running it. And she was like, you're perfect for this. Your background is great. And so I just went, yeah, here, here's my money. Perfect. Let's do it. And so I signed up for the OBM certification, which is a great next step for people coming from the VA world who want to up-level. There's a lot of debate on if you need to be certified or not. I think it teaches a lot of the theory. It doesn't teach the tangibles. So for example, you know, if you want to up-level, say you're a VA and you want to up-level in a client's business, you can you like just start looking at ways to offer up-level services. Like keep in mind, your client is a CEO of their own business. Like at the end of the day, everybody kind of wants a boss. Everybody kind of wants to be told what to do because otherwise we're just guessing. Like if I didn't have the mentors that I had have now, like before I had them, I was like guessing, Oh, I heard this podcast or watch this or sign up for this course. This is what I should do in my business. But now that I have a mentor and a coach, like telling me like, these are the next action steps that you need to take. I'm like, thank you. Like the fact that I don't have to guess is amazing, right? So if you're a VA and wanting to upload on your business, like look at that, like offer some suggestions to your client and suggestions in the realm of obviously what you would want to do. Don't be like, you need a social media manager if you don't want to manage your social media. <laughs> but um, one thing that is like an up-level service, I would say is um, say metrics and KPAs like that's, well, I'd say metrics is the next step. KPAs is even higher. And so, you know, offer, if, if your client isn't keeping track of their metrics, their, their views on their page, their opt-ins, like the, I'm a numbers person, so I can talk numbers all day, you know, offer that offer that you'll put together a spreadsheet if you like numbers and like spreadsheets. Right. And, and then like, you can really, yeah, you can get a lot from from that. So what I found in like the OBM certification is they talk about the theory and they talk about the importance of it, but I'm the why person that was like, why or how I was like, okay, where do I go? Or teach me about Google analytics or where do I find these numbers or how do I put it together in a spreadsheet that will make sense? Like I, again, I know how we did it in corporate. It might look different to somebody in an online business, but yeah. So I felt like the OBM certification was a lot of theory of like how to lead your client, how to help them hire, how to run their HR, how to do, do their team. But it wasn't like tangible how. teaching how. And so when it was all said and done, I thought it was great. I got actually my first clients from that because what it did, what it truly did for me was get me out of that. Um, imposter syndrome because I was like, no, I know this. I know more than this. And so it really made me be like, I do have something to offer. Yeah. And so that the certification brought for me. And so then I'm not really on social media still, but I reached out to people. I had conversations. I think that's when I had conversations with you. It's like, you know, see what people are looking for that you can provide a solution to. And so that's where I got my first few clients. So that was really so, like a good. Yeah. yeah, that makes so much sense. I was thinking about it like a high end course I took and it was more uh, centered around content. But you know what my biggest takeaway was how to organize your emails for a campaign. 
Like, is that not silly? I mean, I had kind of like managed my own little way. And when I learned this like way to organize them and just do like a little table of contents and index them, I'm like, changed my life. Right. And I'm like, how much like to look like in that, how wasn't even in the course. It was in a random Q and a I caught, you know, like screen share. And I was like, that's what I needed. And I feel like that's like so many of these things online kind of skip over the fundamentals. Like I actually had a conversation with a client not too long ago about SOPs, standard operating procedures. You see this question come up in all the groups because that's how, I think that's how people try to engage in conversation. And so people will ask about SOPs and then nobody knows what the heck those are, but it's a fundamental piece of your business. So for example, if you're launching and you have a team right now with your launch and like they're not documenting it. So the SOP is documenting the steps on how to do something tangible. And so you launch again in six months and that VA has left and you have another VA, you're starting from scratch. There's no document to say how it was, how it was handled last time. And so the client is the one that's going to teach them because, or if they know, like I've had clients be like, I don't know what they did last time. Like they came in, they did this, they left. And now guess like, so it's like a constant guessing game. And so like SOPs is something fundamental where most businesses and all the businesses that I've come into don't even have them. Even like I have a client who has been in business for years and she doesn't have any. And I'm like, what did you do last time? She's like, I don't know. This person did it. I'm like, oh my gosh. So it's a lot of these fundamental organizational steps that people don't even do. Yeah. So I'm the person who does it all, but I still need SOPs and I still teach business owners before they hire us to start doing that. So when you onboard, it's easier, but I'm just chuckling. I'll have a launch every so often. I'm like, how did I do that? Like, how did I read the code for the the wait list? And, you know, like now we have it all listed in Trello, what we do. And it's a checklist. I mean, there's tons of options for that. But, you know, I used to work for uh, Jennifer Allwood and I was on for six years and we had really messy launches. And I just remember thinking like, we need one person to manage this. And I, I did exactly what you said not to do. I'm like, we need a COO or something. And it's not me. Yeah. <laughs> like I, I knew I, I couldn't, you know, be yeah. available. But there is that, yeah. You need like a project manager for a yeah. launch. Like, yeah. So that they report to the CEO and then they manage the VAs. They, need, they manage the deadlines. Like, yeah, I've done, I've helped with a lot of people's launches for that exact reason. So yeah, and they and sometimes just having someone yeah. who has that higher level scope and can manage the moving parts. But I just knew like I wasn't going to work well with her one on one with four kids, husband gone. You know, I was like, you need someone who can like clock in a lot of hours. <laughs> okay, I have a couple like numbers questions if you don't mind. What did that OBM right. certification? Cost? Do Do you mind telling us? I think it's like five grand. Okay. Yeah, it's expensive. I have opinions about it. <laughs> um, I'm her for the, for the opinions. If you're like curious about it, for sure. Like if you don't yeah, want to. I've had it. a lot of conversations. So, so like, let's move on to my next step is I, okay. I did the OBM certification. It was great to help me get started. But what I'm doing now is, and we were kind of chatting quickly before we came on because I hadn't even talked to Emily since this, but 
now I'm in the director of operations certification. It's a, it's a whole different program. It's like, if you're truly in this realm and you want to help clients, I believe this is the best step. It's the program that doesn't just teach you theory. It teaches you what and how and very, very tangible, tangible steps. And it's like, it's mind blowing coming from corporate. So my mentor, Natalie Gingrich, she, I feel like she's like four years ahead of me, right? Like same thing. She was in corporate for, for 15 years, got laid off, was like, how do I transition into the online world? First, she started doing project management for businesses, for launches, for events. Um, And then she came up with this program because she found that same thing, like a lot of businesses need this kind of support. So it's just far more tangible. It's, It's very business specific. It dives into details, like financial details, project management details. There's a couple modules on human resources. The human resources piece was the part that I didn't have from corporate. So I actually learned a lot, like how to onboard clients, how to onboard customers, how to offboard, how to set up your SOPs, how to run meetings, team meetings, keep people accountable, like so many things that it's very tangible. Like here's templates to use in your business. And, and they also get you to work on your own business, because as you know, like when you are helping others, you help yourself last. And so like our, our action items for every week is like, show me that you did this in your business. I'm like, well, I did it in my client's business. And they're like, cool. What about yours? <laughs> I'm like, I don't, I don't want to, I don't want to do my books right now. <laughs> I leave that to the fiscal year end. <laughs> but, um, I make it very painful. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so If you were going to invest in yourself in a business, in a program that's going to really up-level your career in this online world, they're roughly the same price, the OBM and the DOO. And I just feel like you will get 10 times more with the DOO. It blows me away. And I felt like after the OBM, I felt like I know more than this, like not in an arrogant way, but more in like a, I know, like I can, I can truly help business owners in different ways than this and in deeper ways than this. And then in the the director of operations, like I'm learning things. So for me, like if you have a background in corporate, if you, if you've done this, like in a corporate setting in a business setting, and you're trying to transition to online and you were like, how do I offer higher level? Like I have spoken with a couple of people who, you know, similar coming from corporate. Oh, I can probably be a VA. I can probably help people with this. And then they go, how do I do more? And so I've just kind of said, this is my journey. Learn from me. Don't spend all the money that I did. (laughs) If I could go back. (laughs) You learn learn so much uh, from these courses when you do know the things and so much of it is confidence. And I've done that. I I took a, one of my first courses was the Pinterest course and I learned nothing except for the fact that I knew my shit and I could keep on going. (laughs) You really need that. Sometimes you need to be like, yes, you're you're not an imposter. Like you're not faking it, right? Like you actually have something to bring. And I think if you pick up some golden nuggets, you know, along the way, that's always great. But this this DOO one sounds amazing. Now, my question for you is: Does the title matter? Like, is it that different? Mm, So some people argue they're very similar. I will say that a lot of people kind of say that the OBM 
are more implementers. The OBM certification does not teach okay. for you to be the implementer. I think where that comes from is many VAs up level into an OBM and therefore they are comfortable with the implementing. And so I feel like because a lot of OBMs do do the implementing, it's common thought that online business manager is to truly manage your business. That doesn't necessarily mean you're you're doing the doing. You're not okay. creating the graphics and uploading the emails or you couldn't be. Um, I do have clients who who kind of assume that that's my role. Um, and so, you know, set boundaries, what's in scope, what's out of scope, what your services actually are, stuff like that. I, I would set that straight from the beginning. I, I learned that too. Like which with every client I've had so far, I learn how to be more clear with the next or how to tweak my services and what I really want to offer. Right. Um, where the director of operations, like you are directing the operations of your business. And so I think the difference would be the director of operations. They're really looking to work with businesses who are, who are making, you know, three fifty and above even into seven figures because they have so much going on that they really are, overseeing the things they're managing the KPIs, making sure that you're on track with your metrics. They're having the team meetings for you. And then they're reporting to the CEO where I'd say the OBM is kind of like the next step. Like I'd say VA, if you want to up a level from a VA, try to do a project manager. And, and again, project managing doesn't necessarily mean managing a launch. It could be managing a website update. It could be managing cleaning up the systems or your SOPs, standard operating procedures. It could be managing your social media. Like managing means managing, not necessarily doing, but I'd say up level to that first. And then the OBM is supposed to be like a manager of more than just one project, like more of your business. And then when it's like the truly, like when the business is big enough that it has a marketing site that actually that's one difference is the director of operations is not a marketer. If you are at that level of your business, you should have a marketing arm and you should have an operations arm. They're very different where I've already seen with clients. It's like, they want you to be all the things, but that's a lot to take on. And it's a lot of responsibility to also know the, the marketing. I can talk about marketing. Am I a marketing strategist? No. Am I a business operations strategist? Yes. <laughs> so like that's different. So what comes under that operations arm? Like if you're going to simplify it for us. So it's none of the marketing stuff, but what is under there? It's the moving pieces. So it's the team. So like your, your operations is your team. It's your technical. It's so then it's all like, it is your technical. It's, it's your, your website and your email and stuff. But that's like, it's like the metrics of it because you're really managing the actuals. It's the actual tangible what's happening now. I'd say your marketing is like more future and how to grow. Like you're, you want to grow your metrics, then, then you're going to have a marketing strategy. I can tell you what's going on right now. I have the knowledge from being online for a couple of years to help with the marketing strategy, but that isn't like my true services. Like when we talk about scope, it's like yeah. my scope is I'll tell you what's happening. Like I'll tell you, if you're hitting your KPIs, if you're on target for your KPIs based on the growth that I've seen, um, I'll tell you in your team what position is missing and who who we need to fill it well. And I'll help you 
set everything up to hire that person and like finances, like that's, that's your operation, like where your money's coming in, where your money's going out, that it's like tangible what's happening now. And what are the moving pieces? That's like, that's what we're managing. That's what we're helping with your business. That makes so much sense. So what kind of person does well in this type of position? So, uh, we talk a lot about the Colby A index. Have you done that? Uh, I can't remember my results to like any of those tests, but please tell my people about it because I don't know if I brought that up to them before. Sure. So there's a lot of different personality tests. Most personality tests are like, are very emotional, right? Like it's, they'll ask you questions and ask about how you'd react to a situation. Um, But the Colby one is the one that actually tests like how you do things. Like how, like, so Colby fact finder, it is uh, the Colby A is like the first number is your fact finding skills. The second number is your follow-through skills. Your third number is your ability to, like, your quick start, like, how fat, like, how spontaneous you are. And then your fourth number kind of doesn't really matter for online. It's more like if you like working with your hands, like if you're in trades and construction and stuff. So the people who are really good for this, like, say you were to apply for the director of operations program, um, she actually has you do the, the Colby A assessment to see if you would be a good fit. And so I, of course, was like basically spot on (laughs) because on the fact finder scale, I was a nine, which means I will analyze the crap out of everything. And so this is like my engineering background, right? Like I I have so many people who will ask me things, especially in my family, because they're like, I just trust that you've like looked at this in all angles. So I just trust whatever you will tell me, which is hilarious. And cause it's true. Cause I'm like, yay, I like love it. So I am a nine on the fact finder, which most clients are a low fact finder. They're low on the fact finding and they're high on the quick start. So they'll be like, yeah, let's do it. Let's launch this course. Let's do this. But then they don't do like the background. And so you're really like, it. you kind of need that balance you need a right hand person in your business to do the fact finding for you if you're just gonna like do this the second number is like how well you stick to a plan so if you if you are absolutely methodically laid out how well you'll stick to not just getting it done like it's not like a follow-through like if you'll actually get it done but like will you divert right so if you're in a launch and something goes haywire, will you, will you be flexible and change direction or will you be like, nope, we're doing this. So it's good. It's good and bad. Yeah. Both angles. Pros and cons to everything, right? Like you right. do want someone who will keep you on track, but then sometimes being too rigid can be a challenge. Exactly. Yeah. And then there's the um, quick start, which I was low on, which is why. And so that's where those are the people who don't start their business because they're so worried. They're, they're, they're perfectionists, right? Like they're so worried that they're 
their social media isn't up and running, their email list isn't up because they're like, no, 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 I can't do this until everything's done. So the low, the people are high fact finder and low quick start like myself, who will analyze everything and will never get a business up and running. Where if you're the opposite and you're just like, yep, scrappy action, throw it together, boom, done. You're going to be high on the quick start. You're going to be super spontaneous. And then like, (laughs) you're just going to have this mess to clean up behind you later or for somebody else. So that's why (laughs) I have a question. People like that. So I'm that person. I'm like the fast person. And like that can be changes to business owners who are stuck, but eventually they need, what would you call somebody like me in a business who like gets some, you're the visionary. Yeah. Okay. I always with what to call myself, but I knew most of my clients were visionaries as well. But like your clients are like your VA clients. Uh, yeah. Like the or your coaching client work. Yeah. My, my, the entrepreneurs are usually the visionaries. Yeah. 100%. But you would probably be higher than you think on the fact finder or the, or the follow through then if you're working with them, because like two really high, uh, quick start people, and two really low fact finder, they're not going to be a good match. It's just yeah. going to be a like if you had two partners yeah. and then you're both like really spontaneous with what you each want to do. You're not like collaborating. You're not working together. Yeah. Okay. That makes sense. Okay. This, this is amazing because I see it so many times over with clients and needing that you were talking about, you were like using all my right words, but needing that balance, they really need the opposite person uh, to meet them and like keep them on track and keep keep their eyes focused straight ahead. And there's, there's a lot of actually training on Colby because that being said, like if I'm a two on quick start and a nine on fact finder, and I have a client who's a two on fact finder and a nine on quick start, it's actually going to be too challenging because you're really butting heads. Like you do need like a perfect harmonious balance where they're going to appreciate what you're doing and you can appreciate what they're doing too. Right. Like it, it's, it's not just like a, we need to equate the numbers. It's like an actual like good fit. Hey, this podcast is sponsored by my very own gift and sticker making workshop. Turn your clients videos into gifts design branded stickers for Instagram stories, and master the art of making your own GIF for promo emails. This is fun unicorn magic that we can do behind the scenes easily for our clients. The workshop is one hour, just $17.99. The link is in the show notes or go to emilyreganpr.com slash GIF workshop. That's G-I-F workshop. Back to the show. I'm so glad you pointed that out because I'm thinking about my number one complaint from business owners when they hire a VA is... I mean, there's a lot to this, but they'll say she didn't like go fast enough and take over fast enough. And uh, so there was that like quick start difference, yes. obviously like expectations and all of that and probably a bad onboarding process. But in, in general, I, I think sometimes they think they're hiring a quick start and they're not. So we actually, so in a DOO program, which was, this was mind blowing to me, we're actually trained to honestly, the best way is to know your client's Colby index and hire people who would be a good match for that. 
And like a lot of people talk about Myers-Briggs and 16 personalities and Enneagram, and that's going to be the emotional. Don't worry. Like we're all chicks. We're all emotional, (laughs) right? But like the Colby A index is going to be how you actually do the doing and exactly what you said. Like, I feel like ever since we learned that I will never hire for a client without understanding their Kobe index to see if they will potentially be a good fit for the client. Because if you hire the wrong person, like if you're like, Oh, this person has done this, like they've, they've done graphic design and they've done this. But if the client is for, yeah, somebody who's going to take charge right away, then it doesn't matter what their like technical skills are. It matters like how they do things. Exactly. Oh my gosh. I love that so much. So if we're brand new to this world, I know why I didn't take the Colby as it it costs money, right? Yes. I actually didn't do it until I applied for the DOO because I'm in Canada. 50 bucks is like a million dollars. And so I did all the free ones. I think Enneagram might cost money too, but I did some free ones. And then it was like, same with like the disc assessment. I haven't done it. Cause I think it's like $80 US and it's like <laughs> one at a time. <laughs> yeah. It might be good for the person who is seriously considering this. Cause it's good to give your score. I think you could lead with this. If you know you're the good fit and you're applying for certain, even like as you work your way up PM jobs and OBM jobs, like knowing this score, I think would set you apart. It might be worth it. And you can expense it, you guys. Yeah. You know? <laughs> 100%. 100%. Yeah. Yes. Oh, my God. I think I've done some of, like, the free versions. Like, there'll be, like, free or short versions of things. But honestly, yeah. I am always so middle ground with a lot of things. You were talking about earlier being super well-rounded. I'm like, I'm always, like, barely leaning this way or that way. And I have such a hard time with those tests. But... Um, and I did the, how to fascinate one. Have you done that one to see what your power is? Like you have to pay for your second result, but you can get your first one. That one's really interesting too. But again, it's more emotional. So I love that this is the balance. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. So what does your life look like now? Like what, how many clients are you working with? Like how, what does like your day-to-day work look like with these clients? Yeah. I have two retainer clients at the moment. So they, so my retainer hours are right now, they're five to 10 hours a week per client. And then I do have a couple of launch clients as well. And so they'll be just like the one-off launch patches. I was, I, I did have the retainer clients at one point and I probably helped too many people with launches. So August and September were quite busy. <laughs> Um, but going into the holiday season, you know, one thing I really appreciate about having your online business is I was like, Hey, I need to take on a little bit less because I don't want to be working super hard during the holidays when my son is at home. Like if, when, when day homes close, yeah, thankfully we're at grandma and grandpa's house and they're retired, <laughs> but you, you were know. saying, and I've heard number before. So I want to bring it up. A good time to be hiring this position is when you are making over $300,000 in revenue. And is that what, like, I always kind of assumed it was because of the cost, but you're talking about is like the different components and the level of the. That's a good point. Um, no, you don't need that, that much to hire a position. There's multiple ways where this makes a difference. So don't get me wrong. I've had clients who, whose revenue is smaller. Um, and that's totally fine. Like it would just be a smaller package. It would be like the five hours a week instead of the 
10 hours a week because there's less going on. But the other difference is when your revenue is a little higher, then you don't have roadblocks for other things. So if I say, you know, I had a client who wanted me to do a lot of the doing and I was like, you need to hire another VA. And she's like, well, I can't afford that. (laughs) I was kind of like, well, you should probably get another VA before you get me then because like, I'm going to help your team get the things done for you. If like, so it's like the, what comes first, the chicken or the egg. I think that you need to, like, I can definitely, I do strategy session packages where I can totally lay out, you know, depending on what your goals are, um, what the next steps are in your business. And I can like tell you what positions you need to hire for next based on, you know, a deep dive into your business. But yeah, there, I've had some clients that didn't have enough of the like helpers. And so then I end up doing the help and that's not part of my services. It does make a difference in like, if you're obviously, if you're making more money, you're willing to spend more money on your business. But yeah, exactly what you had said is when there's more going on, then there's more like for this position, then I can really truly look at your team, look at your KPIs, look at your financials, look at what's going on in your technical and look, look at your projects. Like, look at what's coming up, plan for the next projects. You know, part of it it can be project management, but I I did have one client that I think she assumed that my role also covered the management of a launch where I was like, not for five hours a week. (laughs) 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 It's a lot more than that. So there was like, there was definitely confusion there because the expectations were different on both sides, which I can talk about forever too. It's just like to have proper client expectations and how to set your boundaries from the start. Um, But yeah, (laughs) like the VAs have project managers. And when you're at the point where you're like, I can't manage and onboard my team and my launch and manage my social media and look at my finances, that's when you need like the director of operations. But again, so I have like the the retainer clients, but then I also offer like the one-off packages, whether it's, you know, looking at your HR and who to hire. It could even just be like helping you set up your metrics dashboard and KPIs. And then you, I can train your VA to do it for you. Like it doesn't have to be an ongoing retainer client. It can be packaged or I've done like the launch packages for people too, because I'm in the BCA, right? Like, so everybody there is launching. I'm like, I can help because I've done them now multiple times. So so advantageous because you've been through Amy Porterfield's Digital Course Academy and that's like 4,000, this Facebook group right now is the 4,000 business owners who are looking to hire. And I'm glad when I made a connection because you will be hiring and, you know, reaching out to some of the VAs from my course, which is like the great fit for some of those clients who aren't quite ready for like huge hours with you and need the implementer and the helper. So um, that's why you and I were excited to meet because we're I like, like oh, we need to collaborate. Okay. Well, and going into next year, like I'm going to, I do have a VA and I'm going to hire more because I'm finding that I do want to bring on more clients. And there is some of the work that I do that I can hand off to a team. So I do more of the, stra- the operation strategy and then I can get my team to, update their metrics and stuff like that. So coming in January, I'll be expanding yeah. my team more too. Oh, that's so exciting. Okay. So we have a whole bunch of questions. 
Uh, let's start with over here. Sure. Um, and, you know, disclose what you're comfortable with or give us a range here. But um, someone asked, and of course, it doesn't tell me, it says Facebook user asked, what do OBMs yeah. need per strategy package launches week to week? A range would be nice to know. And on top of that, I would like to ask you a question about launches. When you do help with a launch, like what is your... Um, what am I trying to say? Like rate, like, do you get a percentage of the sales? So these are, this is a like five part question. So I'll <laughs> answer it. Dumping it all out. Right. I'm the quick start. <laughs> I will say in, in the OBM world and in the DOO world, they, they talk about similar, but also very different rates. You know, in the OBM world, they kind of told us while you're doing the certification to charge like 60 to 80 bucks an hour. And then once you're certified, go like 85 to, I, I know OBMs who will charge like up to 150 bucks an hour. Yeah. And for the strategy, I will say in the OBM program, they do talk about these strategy sessions as well. Um, and that is where I started. I offered these strategy sessions for, I think they were like 500 bucks, but there was no structure. It like, don't get me wrong. I could look into your business and I could give some guidance based on, again, a bunch of theory in the DOO package or in the DOO program. The best thing is the first module is, um, she has created what's called a strategic mapping model. She used it this in corporate. It was from a lot of her corporate training. And it is so tangible. It is step-by-step step exactly what you look at, what questions you ask. Like it speaks to my heart because it's like the whole Lean Six Sigma, what I did, what I did in corporate. It's like, this is what you ask. This is like who you ask. This is the details you're looking for. And from there, it like, it's so tangible. There's no, like, there's no guessing. Like that's all I can say. And it's a, it's actually a trademarked cool. term or process. So like, I can't even tell you like how to do it. You can hire me to do it for you. And then you, and then like, honestly, like when I was looking, I was like, do I even need the DOO on top of the OBM? And some of the people that I talked to, they're like the strategy mapping session alone is worth yeah. gold. And yeah. so I like, I currently offer it for 1295. I know DOOs who have been doing it for a while. So they've really solidified their process and they charge like $3,500 for a strategy session. And they have clients who will come and do it once a quarter with them. So the DOO program really, it's like the OBM is like a, you're going to be a general everything in the business and the DOO while they do talk about having a retainer client, they really push for having one or two max and then honing in on what your sweet spot is, like what the service that you really are good at and are good at providing, put packages together for that. So like there are some women who are amazing at HR. They came from HR in corporate. And so like one girl, she's phenomenal. People will hire her just to like hire a position for her team. And she charges like $3,500 and it's like a thorough screening, a thorough, like, what do you, what do you actually need? And then they have like, you know, a guarantee on, you know, if this client doesn't work out for X, Y, Z reason within 30 days, we'll hire someone else. Like, so the DOO really works with you on your sweet spot instead of being a generalist, which is nice. Okay. So then, and then, so launching all of my launch packages have kind of been tailored because everyone has a different 
launch or a different strategy or a different framework. So I've charged anywhere between 1200 to 3600. The 3600 was like she needed more Kajabi implementation. She needed her course actually put into into there. Um where I've had people be like I have a launch coming up in a month and they're like so scatterbrained they like I just need somebody to manage me. I just need to somebody to make sure that I have my emails on track and everything's ready on time. And so that will be like the $1,200 package. I'm like, I can manage you and I can, like, I can tell your team what they have to do every week. Not a problem. So that's where that goes. You know, in both of the programs, they do talk about profit share. I haven't, I'm not there yet. I just like, I'm such a bleeding heart. We're like, I've had clients where like it kills me that they don't hit their goals and where, you know, like I take it personally cause I'm helping with their launch, but it's like, you know, if you're like, my, one of my clients, she did everything right. She had amazing, amazing webinars. She had a huge audience. And I'm like, I have no idea why they're not buying. Like I have no clue. And so like, it just, it hurts my heart. So I'm not going to take your, I'm not the percentage of half of your goal. And another client, like she did, she got right in between her, her minimum goal and her stretch goal. And so like, that just made me happy. I'm like, you know, for, especially for first time launchers, I'm like, I'm not going to take your profit. Like I want to see you succeed. And next time come back to me and next time come back to me and you're on a roll and I'm, I'm truly helping it grow. Then maybe we can have the profit share conversation. But right now I'm like, I know that that's a biz, that's a good business decision, but I haven't done that with my clients, but they do, they do talk about how to have those calls yeah. and, and the, strategy behind it right because then you're really gonna promote it too so yeah and you'll you'll get there too you know you're still earlier on and I'm the same way like you know it's so heartbreaking to help clients like do their launch and you know in the first time like you just don't always know what you're gonna get like the no you don't you can't count every time yeah versions like you don't know you don't know and yeah but at the same time I've helped a client launch and get a million dollars and then I'm like I just what <laughs> like okay maybe I should have done one there <laughs> lesson learned oh the opposite is I did have I did have a client that I was saying who maybe assumes that my retainer package covered the launch and so I I worked completely extra I worked about 15 hours extra hi bud and she, she was like, oh, just, you know, add, add the extra to your invoice later. And when she said that, I realized that my contract didn't actually have provisions for charging overtime or like outside of my retainer. So she didn't actually, pay me. that's a huge lesson. She didn't pay you for that time because it was her uh, project. Well, I think she, she hired me as a retainer on a, as she was a retainer client. And I think I assumed her, it wasn't her first project or her first launch. So I assumed it was like, yeah, put the project together and her VA can do it all. But it was like, it was almost starting everything from scratch. It was redoing sales page. And I was like, Oh my Lord. So it was more than I anticipated. Um, and so I was going to, mid launch, I wasn't going to be like, Oh, sorry, I'm at like the retainer hours, right? Like I'm not, I wasn't going to be like, I'm just going to stop in the middle of your launch and like throw this onto your plate. So my due diligence and my like integrity was like, I'm just going to help her. But yeah, I, um, so I like kind of pointed out, I was like, well, 
I'm going to send you an invoice. Um, it's not in the contract and she didn't pay it. So she's not a client anymore. No, exactly. Right. You move on to bigger and better. And, and sometimes we have, we get burned a little bit. It's never like life ending, but we burn. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So now my contract 100% has provisions for that in it. Oh my gosh. This is so funny because the, the podcast I'm recording later after this is about contracts. So this is like great timing to talk about it. Okay. I yes. wanted to a couple questions. Uh, I know I've like kept you an hour and I've like loved every minute. Tabitha, one of my um, very, what am I trying to say here? Early on students who's like so cut out to be a future. Yeah. Uh, had some really good questions. So um, she wondered uh, what part of this you enjoy the most and what part you dislike the most with the type of work you do. So is this in terms of like what services I'm tailoring to do? Um, or I, I think Tabitha is the type trying to weigh all her facts and figure out is this something yeah. she wants to niche down? Yeah, in? yeah. <laughs> this is totally her. I, yeah, she probably wants to get a feeling of like what the work is like because you know there's pitfalls to working yeah. at experience at every level. One hundred percent, one hundred and fifty percent. I love all the clients that I've had and do currently have. Obviously, there's little things from each client where I'm like, <laughs> okay, now I know, you know, now I know to put that in my scope of services. Now I know to put that in my communication or like my expectations and my, in my own client onboarding, what I, what I really love the most is, you know, my corporate background was so black and white and boring. What I love about online world is like every single one of my clients is in a different niche, is in a different market, is teaching something else, is serving in a different way. I have some woo woo clients that are, um, quite interesting and fascinating. And they're like, Oh, we can't launch during that time because of the moon. I'm like, what's going on with the moon? Like, <laughs> and like full on, like I've learned so much from each and every one of my clients is amazing. So I, I really love that aspect. And then like, because I'm an emotional being, right? Like I, then I, I want them to succeed and I want to get into their business and see where I can really truly be of value in terms of the type of work I'm leaning towards doing. I really like the the operational strategy sessions because again, in corporate, like that's what I did. Like I looked at like a, a company of 5,000 people and looked at like old school systems. And I got to present to like a board of VPs being like, these are the problems. You know, I interviewed 50 people and this is, it was like anonymous interviews. And it was like, this is what the issues were coming out as. This is what the problems are. This is how I think we should solve it. So I really, really like that part of it. And I've already done that with some of my clients to be like, okay, this is where there's a gap and we really need to fix this going forward. Um, I do have the clients that are, you know, they're, they're, they're like, no, that's not important. Right. Like they're like the, they're not the fact finder. They're the high quick start. And they're like, oh, we'll, we'll figure that out later. I'm like, but then you're always going to be fixing things in your business. Can we just do this properly? So, and like build the foundation so you can scale. And then I think just in terms of if, if you're thinking of like up leveling and know that you don't have, like, you don't have to be the generalist. You don't have to come into people's business as an OBM and 
like, okay, I'm checking this boxes. Like you don't have to do everything. You can, if you like financials and you like numbers, then you can have just a package for, I'm going to help you strategize your expenses or your financial KPAs and how to get there and help you build programs or products to help you like sell. Um, If you like the HR, if you like managing people, then you can have like an HR project where you're managing or you can either come into people's teams to manage their, their contractors, make sure everyone's doing things properly because CEOs and owners of businesses, you usually don't like doing that. Um, yeah, there's just, it's just, there's so many options. You don't have to fit into one box. You can kind of like make your own. <laughs> so I love it. Like I, like I'm always blown away by the DOO program for sure. Okay. And I'll, um, I'll talk about that. Yeah. So, um, one last question from Tabitha is like, what do you do when you have those clients who are resistant to change? You were kind of like just touching on that a little bit. Like, do you just like, our module this week in the DOO program is communication. And so I will say my worst attribute <laughs> is communication. Like I am like the engineer, the maybe sometimes too blunt. So I need to learn how to communicate maybe a little softer. I'm the eight in the Enneagram. If anyone knows Enneagram, like I'm the challenger because I'm like, no, like I'll stand up for things and be like, no, you need to do that. Like, and I'm, because I'm a high fact finder, I'm like, no, this is wrong. Like you, you need to do what I'm saying, which obviously can sometimes be an issue. Yeah. But yeah, so it's, I'm still working on that and how to communicate with clients. It's really, you know, you're, you have to, you have to talk about it in terms of like risk. Like if you, if you don't, build this properly, then this is potentially what your issue is going to be down the road. Like you really need to see, you need, you need to help them see the importance of what you're doing and how it's going to help their business for them to be on board. Otherwise they're just going to be like, no, I'm not paying you to do that right now. <laughs> put that I on the background. Can put that value on it. Like how it will save so much time and money now. I think that would probably like get them to that buy-in, but yeah. I get it. like sometimes clients can be really cheap about things. And my advice to you guys, uh, is like, maybe not align yourself with some of them. (laughs) Ask more questions. And remember, like, if you're going into an interview for a new client, like you're also interviewing them. Like I've turned down people before because I'm like, this is not going to be a good fit. Or actually I'm like the passive aggressive instead of turning them down. I just don't follow up. which is bad. Don't do that. <laughs> you like, you should, you can find a softer way to be like, I don't think this will be a good fit. Or I, again, I'm going to learn the communication this month or, or this week. I'll uh, follow back with your audience. I'm so going to follow back with you, but you can even just say like, I, I, you know, I'm wrong now. I don't have any openings or like, I would be the yeah. best. <laughs> I know that some people do have that, like, sorry, we're full email. <laughs> They're like, ready to send. Like, you can join our wait list and I'll let you know when I have availability 100%. Like, that's a very passive way to do it. There's no harm in it. At least it's probably better than not following up. But uh, <laughs> yeah, trust your gut though. Man. You know, it's not a good fit. Like, you don't, you don't need to take it. And I will say, like, with all the clients I have had, 
anytime something has gone awry, I'm like, there was a red flag or there was a feeling from the start. And, you know, I will admit like some of like the first couple clients, it's like, I do want, I do want income in this day and age in this realm and what's going on. And I'm now at a point where I don't need to take on someone just to have the income and I can turn something down because I don't want to work over Christmas or I'll work for my retainer clients over Christmas, but I'm not going to have a project going on over Christmas. Right. Yeah. So understandably, like if you're starting out, like you shouldn't take on clients out of desperation. However, if you find yourself in somewhat of that situation, just know that you learn from everything. Like it's not, it's not all a fault, right? Like even, even your clients will learn if it wasn't a fit for them, then they'll know now going forward what to ask or what to be more specific about. A lot of the times it's onboarding. And that's, that's actually what I was working on this past month is like my own onboarding. I love my VA, but I realized like I did a really crappy job onboarding her into my, into my own business because it was my first VA. So she's helping me clean everything up. And now my second VA will have a much better experience. Yes. Oh my gosh. I'm so glad you said, I totally can relate to that. I'm so glad you said that. And the onboarding process, like when you see those flags, you, I mean, I'll see it in the way like business owners send me that first email. Like I can just like pick up on things that I did not see like seven years ago when I was first starting. And I just, you know, but you learn, you learn and you get better. Yeah. But okay. So I have one more quick question for you. And I know, like, uh, I know I like got to pop back to school, but uh, one of our VAs from my course was asking, how do you get that new client to um, share with you? Like kind of like up-level your services. Do you have any advice for that? Like what you could do to like have them be more forthcoming and start including you in their business so you can grow up to be some of these positions? Yeah, I would say um, communicate your goals communicate that you do want to up level and then show them like if you say you're what's a good example um my VA has been helping me do her do my onboarding and she's helping me with my canned emails and my workflows and stuff like if she comes to me and says hey let's clean this up in your dubsado or let like I notice that there's a whole bunch of drafts that we could delete like you know flag them come to your client and say, um, Hey, I saw X, Y, and Z. I think we could do this. And it would like streamline it a little bit better. Like just come to them with a, with an idea and like almost like a, a small proposal, like not an official proposal, just be like, I think this could really help, or this could really like would work better. Um, again, like your client is probably just being like, like, again, like I need to hire a me for my own business because I'm not doing it in my own business. I can do it in your business, but I can't do it in my business. So if my V like my VA, that is her goal. And she has said like in 2021, I do want to, I do want to up level and, and take on some, some, like help take on some of your client work or, um, that kind of stuff. So then if your client, if your client knows, and then you're showing, then they'll help you. Uh, so let's talk about this because you have this opt-in and this is for the um, program that you're in now, but tell everyone what this is. So I think you all need this. Like, this, like of course, she's going to pitch the GOO at the, at the end, but this is a free challenge. It starts next week. So this is like amazing timing because when I booked this, I didn't even know that she was doing the scope creep next week. And that's why I was like, you know what? I had a freebie for guys all about... Um, 
communicate your expectations to your clients at, at the start. And that, like I was going to talk about, you know, put your, put your scope, what's in scope and what's out of scope into your contract, your working hours, how you communicate. Natalie's going to talk about all that next week. And frankly, my email isn't even properly to include you guys on my list yet. Um, but what Natalie will teach you and especially VAs, it's like, it's, the scope, the scope of your services, the scope of a project. If you want to up level to run a client's project, then these are the things, this is how you scope a project. This is how you scope your services. And then when something, when your client comes to you and, and wants you to work on the launch when it wasn't in your scope of services, then you can say, actually, that's not in like clear. Like my contract now says like my scope does not include implementation. Like it is very clear on what I do and do not do. And so Natalie has the most amazing challenge next week. It's five days. I think you get like a 38 page workbook. Like, yes, she about the DOO program at the end. And if you're not there yet, still do the challenge because you get so much from her. You get so you see how much she pours into everything. And same with her group. Like her group is amazing. Like there are people in there who are not DOOs, but they get so much out of like some of the conversations that happen in that group. Yeah. She's like, she's such a great mentor for me, especially with my background. And she speaks to all levels. She is very honest and she talks about talks from experience too. So join the scope creep that is an affiliate link, but the challenge is free, right? So just go, it's just in her group. It's five days. It's and download everything and do the work. Like it's so good, especially for VAs who need to up level or just communicate a little bit better to your clients as to what you're offering and what you're not. Yeah. So Early on, I was the unicorn doing it all. And I still have like my magical package of services that's like implementer stuff. But early on, I just said yes to a lot of things and everything. Yes. Knowledge, like learn so much. And at some point, though, your brain is worth so much more than that hourly rate because you have built it. You've taken the crash course. You're listening to the podcast. Like you are probably a lot of you are at that strategist level. Like, you know, way more than your client and you should get paid for that. Just because you know, they didn't do X, Y, and Z doesn't mean you go in there and fix it all for them, not charge for it and not charge uh, properly for your work. And I will, that's actually a really good point. Um, Let's backtrack a little too when we were talking about rates so the obm really teaches like hourly rate based your package on this many hours this this hourly rate the doo is different for and i think this is very very interesting is to get away and i understand that like for va services this might not necessarily in some cases it would work but get away from hourly rates because let's think about this when you get better at what you're doing you are going to do it faster And so what happens is mostly people will go, oh, I'm going to increase my rate or, oh, I maxed up with clients. I'm going to increase my rate. We're actually, Natalie had a podcast um, as well. And one of her episodes talks exactly about people just increasing their rate. Think of it in terms of the package that you're bringing. Like with my DOO clients, my package is like, I am going to bring this to your business. I like every week I to make sure X, Y, and Z happen. If that takes me five hours or 12 hours, 
like I'm bringing the solution to them. And that's what clients want. They are like, my clients constantly like, well, how many hours is that going to be? Because she wants to like budget in her head. I'm like, my package is that I will provide this service for your business. It shouldn't matter how many hours that that it's taking because as you have more and more clients, you are going to be more and more efficient. And Mm -hmm. so, which essentially means you are going to get paid less if you are doing everything hourly, right? And so- you're good, you get rewarded with more work and you're just working at less rate. Yes. And so the mentality of hourly and my husband consults too. And this is that that's his thing is, is like, there's an hourly rate, but then he's like, okay, but now if I'm doing it in half the time that I used to be, I'm now getting paid less. And so he like charges the rate that it should be because he's still on this hourly rate, but it should be like, this is the package. This is the services that I am providing to my clients. It shouldn't be about an hour. It should be like the end result. So my favorite story, I actually use this on my webinars, the locksmith, right? They put in years and years, you've heard this, they put in years of experience. They charge $300, show up at your doorstep, unpick your lock in like two minutes. But they're worth it. It doesn't matter. You're not paying him hourly. You're paying him for the results and he has the experience to back it up. So you teach in my course, start off hourly when you're new, when you're brand new, you need to figure out how long it's going to take you. If you're just like, I'm going to do this for this like package price, but then it takes you a hundred hours to do it. You're getting paid less than minimum wage. (laughs) And it it happens all the time. You hose yourself. That's why in the course I have like, okay, this is what it takes me to do this. So you have a starting point, but as you gain that confidence and that experience, you do move to package rates. Um, and you, you do start to niche down in something, you know, and not do it all. But I teach to get your foot in the door. You need that like solid understanding. You kind of start off by saying yes. And some of you are past that. And some of you who are in this group coming to me with like the HR experience, some of you are in like the finance industry You have amazing careers behind you. Like you can flip ahead and follow what Angie's doing. Like you have that project management experience. Like I have engineers in this group too. And oh, you ladies can talk to me, message me. Like I, I just like, yeah, I have friends who come from finance and they're just like, what do I do in this online world? I'm like, here you go. I have friends who are project managers who are ma. I have one girlfriend who's like still on mat leave. And she's like, what should I do? I'm like, you should do this. <laughs> It takes somebody with a brain and like, you can see the passion lighting up with you, Ange, now. Like you like to problem solve, you like to make an impact and help your clients. And you also get the flexibility of working from, from working from grandma's house in a snowstorm. Right, going snowboarding hopefully soon. <laughs> oh yeah, I already have planned like, it'll be like my out of office. Dear clients, something came up or down overnight. <laughs> I'll reply at the top of the hill. Yeah. Oh my God. I had a, I haven't been snowboarding since I broke this. I'm like, my husband did that at the beginning of COVID. So oh, that was fun. Yeah. I'm like nervous. I think we might try to take the, it depends. Like last winter, we didn't get a lot of snow, but I think there's some bunny hills we can go to and like, at least get the kids started. But this has been so fun chatting with you. And I know my people have so much to learn from you. I encourage to use Andrew's link 
if you want to find me online again, like we were chatting before my social media, I haven't even invited people to like my business page because I also got to the point where I was full. I was at capacity. And so like my mentors were like, what are you doing to market yourself? I'm like nothing because I can't handle anymore. So if you want to follow me, I promise there will be things to come <laughs> next. That's why I like tailored back with my clients. So I have time to work on my own business because I do have plans for next year, but, um, yeah, you can find me go do the scope creep for sure. Like everybody here will learn so much from her challenge. I'm totally signing up. I think I could learn so much from that. Yeah. And I love that. I love that you're like the real person behind the scenes doing the work. And that's like, that's why I invited you here. And you're not just, you know, trying to get people into your funnel to tell them mindset problems. Yeah. I mean, that's part of it. I like, I probably sound like really um, snarky, but you know, it's like our, it's the world we're in every day. So I love connecting with real people and you guys are in the right group. We have tons of these interviews. We have a podcast where we talk about other freelancers. Like if this is your realm, like, and just giving you the path in and there's other options for some of you just like, know this world exists know where to yeah. send your clients when they reach these roadblocks and you can be like me and know it's not your scope. <laughs> like bring yeah. somebody else in. <laughs> like I should be going this yeah. way. So, okay. Um, yeah, we'll link up to all of your uh, contact stuff. Maybe you can invite some people to your Facebook page. So it's not sure. just your mom anymore. And yeah, you have a new, you have a new following. I don't even know how you found me, but <laughs> it's not even my page yet. Oh my gosh, that's funny. Maybe it, I don't know. Maybe you have like uh, somebody stealing your identity or something. <laughs> Maybe. But thank you so much for having me on. This was really fun. I could talk forever. The, I'm the extroverted introvert, right? Like I like being behind the scenes, but then I'll talk to you forever if you want me to. <laughs> something that would be helpful. Maybe I can have you over in my students group if you want to like do like putting you on the spot right now, but I have like a work group. I have a high level work group and then I have my students group. So we could do something like more in depth with them. That would be really fun too. Yeah. Good collaboration. Love it. Hey, bye. Good luck everyone. Bye. Bye. I hope you love this episode as much as I did. I encourage you to connect with Ange in any of the links in the show notes. Please find her on Facebook. She's starting to grow her business. She's one of the people like us who's doing the work behind the scenes, learning to promote herself, and I can't wait to see what she accomplishes. And I love learning from her. I love how she runs her business with these strategy sessions and business audits and these ongoing services. So I think it is just so smart and perfect for those of you who come from a corporate world, have degrees, have career experience. This is something you could tap into. All right, next week on the podcast, we are going to be talking about something kind of important. How do you know when it's time to quit a client? I have five big questions to ask yourself if you're kind of battling and the angel and the devil on your shoulder. Is it time to quit that client? Should you stick it out? We'll talk more next week. I'll see you then. If you're ready to learn the digital marketing and social media skills that will get you hired online, head over to vacrashcourse.com where you can learn about my five-week program, the Digital Media VA Crash Course. 
Small business owners and solopreneurs want to hire someone who gets it and who can help them implement just about everything. They're looking for a magical assistant who does it all. With my comprehensive training, you can get your foot in the door and become a unicorn. Check out vacrashcourse.com. Um, I'd say most of them are like, oh, I can't remember the wording. I'm not a wording person. I'm a numbers person. But it's um, uh, a lot of the personality tests. Are like, what? Keep it, keep, oh, yeah. Sorry. Keep, I didn't say key performance indicators. See, that's my nerdy self. Um, um, what was I saying? Is it lagging a little bit? Can you guys hear? Hopefully she's coming right back. We're having a little bit of lag in the time, and hopefully it's not me. 